No, no. That'd be good for you. <laughs> hey, baby, you wake? <laughs> well, welcome back to the number one financial literacy podcast in the world. Sitting next to me, the one and only, Said Omar. Wow, not your partner in time anymore, huh? No, I got choked up. Yeah, emotional I, know, I noticed yeah. that. Sitting next to me, my partner in crime, Chris Nahibi. Welcome back to the show, everybody. And behind the ones and twos, the man who pops cans better than anybody you know, the one and only DJ Room. Hello, hello. I feel like calling you a DJ is watering down the significance like... of your value. Uh... I mean, you do a lot. I mean, between if anyone the cameras, knows me, I, hope... I know nothing about music. That hello, hello <laughs> sounded a lot like hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Jesus. Can you even reference that show anymore? Why? What's wrong with it? I don't know anything about Fat it. Fat Albert? What's That's like Cancel Culture 101, baby. You can't, you can't be called Fat oh, I didn't Albert. Even know, I didn't even Not know. to mention, it's Bill Cosby doing the voice. Oh, is it really? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? So now you can't even talk about any of the lessons you've learned on Bill Cosby's show? There was no... Bro, there are so many shows from back in the day that you could not... Married to Children. You could not do that show today. Nope. Zero. Zero I chance. loved that show growing up. It was, I, I remember my... It was one of the shows my parents... Even my parents knew I shouldn't, I shouldn't be watching. What is this? The, oh. the Adventures of Fat Albert and the Cosby. Oh, geez. Yeah, Bill Cosby, like, architected the show. I think he was the voice of Fat Albert, right? Or wasn't he? Oh, yeah, oh, Jesus. You could not do this show anymore. I actually never saw a full episode of this. Oh, you didn't? Oh, no. I, remember, I remember seeing the cartoons when I was a kid. I'm a little older than you, obviously. Um, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> I forget how much older I am than people, man. Like, I'll go to the gym, and I'll be talking to dudes and realize they're, like, in their 20s, and I'll be like... Oh, yeah, 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 me too. Me too. I, the swim coach thought I was in my 20s. The swim coach? Oh, yeah. Carter swim coach? Yeah, and, and you know, like. That's a lie. Chris. Bro, come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> he lied to the people. That's what he said. He said. <laughs> how much? Let me ask you a question. How much I are didn't you paying? I didn't say he was the smartest dude hey, in the world. I'm just oh, saying. Wait, hold on. How much, how much are you paying the swim coach? I don't know. They're that, expensive, that's a great dude. Qu- really? Private lessons? Yeah. Yeah. Expensive. Yeah, just on the black card. And. On the, you can't wow, play. Some, just, this shots guy, fired. This guy doesn't actually. Hold back. My my card is is so abused. It's turning into a gray card now. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's getting pretty worn out. But yeah, he's, I mean, anyway, whatever. Let's just, let's just get into the show before I incriminate myself further. There'll be plenty of opportunities to make fun of my financial status in the coming articles. Okay. Yeah. Let's go. Ah man. All right. So. Saeed pointed out before the show started that some of the topics we've covered in a previous one or two shows and that it might not be the sexy, sensational new topics we always hit. But for those of you who might be in Saeed's camp, I like to call it the ignorant camp, just have a little faith. The numbers have fresh data behind them and a new perspective to share with you. That's why at least one of us curated the content from the show. Mm, the other okay. one just criticized. Just No, it's not true, man. Bro, you opened up firing well we're not gonna get through these all tonight so let's start with this i mean there's there's a lot of good content here that we could have split up if we wanted to dive down a little deeper into some of these articles but bro we got I'm, video I'm quotes it. we got audio stuff coming through i can't wait for that Lord by the way room, be ready for those when you when when the time comes and the way he called you bitch right there that was crazy no <laughs> coming out fire what yeah he's like get those ready why you gotta yell at him like I that i said be ready why are you yelling at him though, bro? You cited Fat Albert. How about please? Just Come say on, please. Odin, could you please have those ready? Arun, could you please have those ready? It's yes, 2000, sir. It's 2023, man. It's 2023, man. Anything else you want me to say? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. All right. I don't know how to. Say. I always saw the Kobayashi letter, but I know it's not. That's not the way you pronounce it. I think it's the Kobisi letter. Is that, so, yeah. Is that what it, Kobisi? I don't know. I don't, I'm, Co- Kobe E C. Whatever the K letter, we'll call it that. Well, I like. 
the Twitter Now X page. Uh, I think it's phenomenal. The little tidbits of data that come out um, are just really just sensational stuff. That being said, they have an interesting quote on mortgage rates hitting 8% for the first time in 23 years, and it talks a lot about affordability. That's going to be our segue into an article, which I'm sure a lot of you already know and feel there's never been a worse time to buy instead of rent. And the data from that article is compelling. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to go into uh, the ongoing run of Fed rate hikes, quote, take away the American dream. You don't say. That sounds oddly familiar. Yeah. This economist says so. And just a full disclosure, if you've heard me talk shit on any one economist more than any other economist, it's probably Lawrence Yoon from the National Association of Realtors. I don't know, man. Chief economist of the higher standard gets a lot of shit, too. Yeah, he does. But I feel like he's compensated for it financially. <laughs> with that $0 with salary. Cer <laughs> with, with certain favors? Yeah, I mean, you got shoes at your beck and call anytime you want. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> you can get whatever you need. Well, Lawrence Yoon uh, is not not shy to use clickbait, but I'm going to use that to point out how the National Association of Realtors is probably one of the most deceptive and manipulative trade groups I've ever experienced. And I'm I'm one of the members, so, you know, yeah, pot calling the kettle black, whatever. Then we're going to talk about the housing market going from tough to terrible. But, yeah, there's data there. I know it sounds re repetition. Uh, might be, you know, kind of kicking in right now, but th th just bear with us. There's, the, there's good there. Mm -hmm. The 30-year fixed mortgage rate just hit 8% for the first time since 2000 as Treasury yields soar, something we predicted and then talked about at great length, the, the relationship to bonds and the mortgage-backed security market. There's a little bit in there, which I think leads into the next article. Morgan Stanley makes a bold, tough prediction for home prices next year. Mm. See, a lot of the stuff we've talked about on previous shows, it's all coming together in this little coalescing into this magnificent little fantastic pie of information i'm going to serve you all tonight surprised that it's really t it's taken this long to get to this point me personally yeah well i mean i get that but at the same time there are people now saying you're going to see rates even higher i think so and i think yeah there's probably a probability of that so we'll see what happens i do think the geopolitical conflict is really fucked up on a humanitarian crisis level we talked about that on the previous shows but when you think about it in the context and you and you try to divorce yourself from that that emotional status and there's every right to feel that way. It's really hard to. It's really hard to. But when you think about it from an economic perspective, okay, you got the Speaker of the House right now, which is a bit of in turmoil. But you also got a deficit issue coming up. There's no pressure on them until next week to start making decisions because there's no immediate timelines coming up. So now you've got political conflict with the Speaker, which means you can't get things done because there's not enough votes on one side or the other side of the aisle to really get a thing passed. And you can't do it without a speaker. Plus, the biggest thing you have going is that they push, they kick the can down the road on the national deficit issue, which, by the way, has gotten considerably worse. And we will talk about that at some point in the show, I'm sure, because it's, a lot it's so too. relevant. I got a lot there. And then what do you have? You have a looming election next year. Well, wartime presidents have a tendency to get reelected, and we're deploying a lot of people from the military to go out and, quote, safeguard our allies, which is government spending mm -hmm. which props up gdp artificially going into an election year right i fucking hate to say it but it does sound like somebody's manipulating something somewhere it does sound it does seem that way yeah so it is what it is we'll get into another uh kobisi letter uh fastest declining house markets uh house markets in one year they are not a sponsor of the show they're we just, not a, we just love the content yeah then all that uh, lead-up goes into a nice little section I like to call the shit-talking session. We're going to talk a lot 
about the National Association of Realtors lawsuit if there's time. Real estate commissions could be the next fee on the chopping block. And frankly, I think they're making much ado about nothing. They're just saying that the National Association of Realtors can't control and demand certain types of fees. and People can set them to be whatever they want. I don't think there's a lot that's going to change, but what this will do is this will be the entry point to technology eventually displacing real estate agents as we know them, not entirely, but certainly in certain bits and pieces. Yes. And then uh, if there's time, we'll talk about M&A to explode in 2024 as roughly 1,200 employee, I'm sorry, 1,200 companies are expected to run out of money. Wow, that was a lot. <laughs> just wanted yeah. to try to tell you before the show. I know. I know. I want to get deep. Let's, so deep. So, let's get deep. All up into the details. All right. Yeah. Go for it. You want to kick us off doing a little bit of read? You want me to start off reading the, yeah, let, let's try the a little. Kobayashi letter? Is that how you pronounce it? That's what I say. It's, uh, it rolls off the tongue better, right? Yeah. The Kobayashi letter. As mortgage rates hit 8% for the first time in 23 years, affordability continues to fall off a cliff. The housing affordability index just hit a fresh record low at approximately 90 Right. So there's this is an index that tracks the affordability, basically the disparity between uh, wages and how much uh, homes actually cost. Right. Like the median household price of a, of a home. Right. Yep. Uh, this means that housing affordability is officially down 50 percent since 2021. Since then, peak in 2012, housing affordability is down nearly 70 percent. God. Last sentence. That one stinks. Buying a home has become a luxury. A luxury that most people cannot afford. It's the window shopping for Louis Vuitton in the mall when you can't afford it. Right. That's what homes have become. It's starting to feel that way. No, no, it, it is that way. Yeah. It doesn't need to feel. You don't need to feel it. Just because I understand that you're disconnected to the people because you're no, in a man, palazzo. I, no, I, I genuinely feel bad, man, because I got in. I got into a house in, in 2020 by pure happenstance. The only reason why we were looking for a home was because I had a, I had a, a child mm -hmm. that I wanted to get into the right school district. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I, I, had, I had people in my ear telling me, listen, man, you don't have to rush this process. You don't have to jump at, you know, the first house that you see. And all I was concerned about in that, at that time was let me get, I would need to get my son into the right school district. Yeah. Right? And that's, and so I, I got lucky. It's not that I knew the market. Right? So... Well, they do say the luck is the preparation, combination of preparation and opportunity. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I look at that constant theme throughout my life, and I recognize that I've been very, very lucky in a lot of ways, particularly financially. Yeah. But then I think to myself, but you were prepared for that opportunity at the time and able to take advantage of it. That is true. And we did actually, it was an unorthodox approach. If you were to tell people the approach, because remember, we bought at the time right before the, the boom, the madness. Mm-hmm. I listed my house for sale and made an offer on a home contingent on the sale of my other home. Yeah. Nobody in, in their right mind would ever take an offer like that during that boom time during 2020. But somehow you had the most amazing realtor in the world that crushed that situation for you. It was, yeah, it was trying to talk me out of the situation. I did try to talk you out of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, if y'all want to do this, you're stupid, but I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> you did the same thing with us. <laughs> you're stupid, but I'll do it. <laughs> Oh, man. If you notice, I give the same advice. So <laughs> <laughs> I get people to go against me. I'll teach this motherfucker. And I go, okay, watch. Well, I don't warn you. Yeah. <laughs> it's psychological warfare. Right. You'll never get this. La, 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 la. And then you got this. <laughs> and then I got it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the next article 
talks about the cost of buying a home versus renting one is now at its most expensive. This from the Wall Street Journal. There has never been a worse time to buy instead of rent. It is now 52% more expensive to buy a home than to rent one because of the climbing mortgage rates. And bear with me. There's a lot from this article I want to talk about. The data here is really interesting, and it's good food for thought. So the cost of buying a home versus renting one is at its most extreme since at least 1996. The average monthly new mortgage payment is 52% higher than the average apartment rent, according to CBRE analysis. The last time the measure looked out of whack was before the 2008 housing crash. Even then, the premium peaked at 33% as a reminder compared to 52% in the second quarter of 2006. So that's already a wild swing. But yet people are telling you, oh, the market's not going to crash. Well, can the market really go higher than that? Right. I mean, is it really sustainable? If people can't buy mm -hmm. and you have this flat market, I understand people are saying supply and demand. I mean, all these things. There's a great chart. room just pulled it up. If, uh, if we do our job well, I can just go like this. And you'll see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not on me, but for you. <laughs> but it's a it's a pretty compelling chart where it goes to show you where you know Q three of two thousand and six where you started to spike up, and then obviously you walked into the Great Recession two thousand and seven two thousand and eight, and this was on the downward swing. And now you you are literally visibly palpably higher than the peak leading up to the Great Recession. The difference this time around, though, is that we got a a bunch of people sitting on very low interest rates. Mm -hmm. Right, over ninety percent of people have mortgage rates under six percent, and this gives the people confidence. A lot of people confidence. To me, it scares me because that means things have to get that much worse this time in order for people to break their positions. Yes, and I'll go on from the article from the Wall Street Journal uh, to to kind of cap off this whole thing. In theory, buying and renting costs should be roughly matched, according to Matt Vance, head of multifamily research at CBRE. Although owners benefit when house prices go up, they also put more cash into their homes than tenants for things such as repairs and refurbishments. So I never really thought about it that way, but it, it sounds it sounds about accurate. It's very practical, right? Mm -hmm. From 1996 to mid-2003, the average cost to buy or rent did indeed work out more or less equal. And that, you know, again, that makes me feel good about the idea of being a renter. It comes down to saving that nut. Right. Right. To, to buy your down payment. And it's a lot easier than most people think when home affordability is normalized because you have programs like first time home buyer programs, FHA, three and a half percent down. You can get your real estate license, get two and a half percent commission, only put a percent down. There are ways to do that if you're so inclined. Continue on. After the global financial crisis, though, rock bottom interest rates and plenty of housing supply meant it was 12 percent cheaper on average to buy a home then to rent one during the 2010s. The current hefty ownership premium reflects the surging cost of debt as rates on a 30-year mortgage reach 8%, as well as high house prices since pandemic lockdowns raised the value of domestic in the domestic space. Now, I'll say it raised the value to a level that, I, just the cadence of, of the, I mean, 40% in some areas in a matter of two years is fucking wild. Right. Wild and people who are now trying to buy for the first time are experiencing the disconnect. It's crazy. A person taking out a 30 year mortgage today on a $430,000 home with a 10% down payment would fork out around $3,200 in monthly repayments, 60% more than if they had bought the same house three years ago. Rents have risen by 
less blistering 22% over the same period, though this was still moderately ahead of wider U.S. inflation. Right. So the the one bright side out of all of this, if there is one, right, is typically speaking when when housing affordability is is this far out of whack or is out of whack, we should say, because it's never really been this far out of whack. Yo, you're whack. Yeah. Right. Uh, landlords would typically be able to increase their rents. Mm -hmm. But with the amount of like we've talked about on the show before, the amount of multifamily properties that are going to be coming online. Right. Fannie Mae here predicts multifamily vacancies reaching 6.25% in 2024. And I would say that will likely be in the areas where you've seen this massive amount of construction and particularly in high-end luxury properties in the Sun Belt region of the United States. Yes. So I think the lower states, Texas, Arizona, mm -hmm. all the way through like certain parts of Florida and the southern part of California. Right. So with with that happening, then rents will typically come down, right? Because they apartment buildings and those investors and those landlords cannot afford to have vacancies run on for too long, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if now we have $1.5 trillion of commercial real estate debt coming, you know, due or then needing to refinance over the next two years, yep. right? Two or three years. They're going to need to prove that this thing is still generating income because at the end of the day, no matter what they do, they're likely going to have to come in with more cash out of pocket to even pay down the loan. If And if it's not performing well, oh, forget about it. You're going to have to really come in with more cash. Yeah, and it's it's already happening. Mm -hmm. Maturities we're seeing now, and they, they will, maturities in commercial real estate debt. Mm -hmm. So most people understand now that they've listened to the show and they're avid fans. Commercial real estate loans are typically financed between three, five, and seven. In some cases, rarer cases, 10 years, but they come due. So everything over the course of the last, you know, 14 years is yeah. now starting to come due over, over kind of a scaling position. So the first year will be, you know, a couple hundred million, a billion, whatever it might be. The next year will be even more than that. The next year will right. be even more than that until this problem finds its way it works its way to the system mm -hmm. which is going to take some time i don't know that that well i'm going to make a call we haven't made officially in the show i think it's now time safe to say okay every real estate recession has been led by a catalyst and every recession has had some type of catalyst going back to the stock market crash in october 29th 1929 led into the great depression right yes. and there was Everybody's coming back from the war, and the wartime spending stopped. When the war was over, you entered into a recessionary economy. It had its impact on the markets, and that was like the the peak pinnacle moment that we all now say, "Oh, that kicked off the Great Depression." Right. The Great Recession. You had the fall of Lehman Brothers, the more, some, uh, subprime mortgage crisis, trading on these hybridized uh, mortgage-backed securities market. Don't need to worry about what that is. But there was these synthetics. They're pooling all these assets together, saying, "Yeah, they're all about the same risk," mm -hmm. and they went bad. Uh, the Big Short explains it. Way better than we ever could on the show. Right. Well, I'm going to say that as of right now, no matter what the government does to prop up GDP, whatever geopolitical events out there, rates spiking one way or the other, all that's going to happen. We still didn't know what the catalyst is. I'm telling you, I think the catalyst is going to be commercial real estate. Mm. I think commercial real estate is going to have reverberating impacts to the economy that cannot be mitigated by politics and manipulation. Right. Especially when you consider the the amount I put in an article here, Odun, you might as well plug this right here right now from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, uh, let's see here. Yeah, America's America's downtowns are empty. Fixing them will be expensive. This from the Wall Street Journal. 
it's in there. It says, for decades, downtown office districts across the U.S. powered local economies, generating commerce, tax revenue, and an aggregation of ambition, talent, and disposable income. Right? Nothing. You're just no, gonna, you're I'm, I'm going to power. I'm, I'm powering straight through. <laughs> um, but they're, they've lost. They were actually, they went as far as to cite from like cell towers the amount of activity. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, fascinating. And the foot traffic in downtowns are down by like 26%. I believe it. Have you been to downtowns lately? No. Remember when I went to New York and I came back and I told you it's a different city now? Yeah. I think it goes all the way back to then. It's it's fucking depressing, man. I would I would only imagine in one uh one of the mayors, I believe the article really dove into this is uh, a sad picture. Jesus. Yeah, they dove into Minneapolis and they said, "Look, you, they they're going to have to find a way to make it sexy again." And how they do that cuz for the longest time downtowns across the country were look at this. Look at this. Downtown Minneapolis is full of partly empty office buildings. Those those wow. dots there are more than 25% vacant. Wow. So it's a heat map essentially with dots, mm-hmm. and the darker dots mean uh, the dark. The really dark dots wow. are co- conversion candidates of what they can potentially turn into. Multifamily. You know, yeah, multifamily, right? And that's ultimately what they're going to need to do. They need to find a way to make living in downtown Sexy again. Wow, ghost towers. Downtown Minneapolis is full of partly empty office buildings. Yeah, ghost man. towers. I know. So what <laughs> oh, what, what they want to do and something that they're trying to adopt in Minneapolis, right, which they've actually been able to curb their own inflation, if you remember an article that we talked about yeah. not too long ago. Um, but they're providing tax breaks for people that are converting their offices into, you know, housing. I, I don't know that that's going to get anybody there. Yeah, Smarter investors are going to wait. They're going to wait this whole thing out. I mean, it's the same thing with the M&A market, secondary markets. They're just going to have to wait this out. And this is, I mean, even if they wanted to start construction now, it's 18 to 24 months, right? It's two years before you really start to see some of this stuff. Don't I mean, even get me started on the zoning. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, even if you get the permits, you get the zoning, it's all expedited and the cities push you through. Mm-hmm. Converting a building is significantly harder than building one, believe it or not. Yes. So because of that, it's just going to take a long-ass time. And and to your point that commercial real estate potentially being the you know the canary in the coal mine this time around, mm-hmm. right? You got to think like the Fed, when the Fed eventually does choose to pivot and start to cut rates, we've talked about it. It's not going to be slashing. It's going to be slow and it's going to be incremental, okay? And generally speaking, when they do start cutting, it's already too late. Something broke. Bro, I anecdotally, I'm not going to say names, but I had a conversation with somebody from the Fed today. And we were on a Zoom call, right? And there was a bunch of other people in the room. I know and, I know someone who it's not. Yeah. <laughs> if it was Neil Kashkar, you would have called me right after. <laughs> Listen, Alopecia, let me tell you what it's going to be. First of all, I need you to draw some eyebrows so I know how you feel. He doesn't have alopecia. It's just sarcasm. Nobody get upset, okay? Yeah. And if you do, email me at saeed at higherstandardpodcast.com. You piece of shit. <laughs> well, in any event, now, you know, there's a room full of other people in the room and a couple other Fed, uh, Fed examiners, and I happen to anecdotally say, I, I, I got into a casual conversation. I said, let's say hypothetically the Fed cuts rates in Q2 or Q3. And this particular Fed examiner looked at me and goes, and what if they don't? Wow, because right now it's projected for everyone for everyone that's listening. Remember, not too long ago, and this is the thing that's the most frustrating for me. Yeah, is this bullshit optimism that was pushed onto everybody? Okay, that there were gonna there was gonna be two rate cuts by the end of this year, and we were like, no, it's not. The- Bro, I can't tell you how many people on social media that I engage with who are seen mm-hmm. as thought leaders. Yeah. in real estate, they're like, oh, they're gonna. Ryan Pineda 
I was I was on his podcast. It was over a year ago, right? And he was saying at the end of that year they were going to cut rates, why? and I'm like, no, why? They're not under what? Why? What? Like, what made you think that? I'll tell you exactly why. It was Lawrence Yoon and the National Association of Realtors, and we're going to play a clip, and it's this kind of toxic shit from people who are supposed to be thought leaders and subject matter experts that people generally don't fully understand. Arun, whenever you're ready, baby, you can Wait, go ahead and play that clip. And, and, and just for ev- and just for ev- and just for everyone that wow. wants to know, three it, times it's been re- it's been revised. So just so they know, because you mentioned Q2, Q3, it was originally two times at the by the end of this year they were projected to cut rates, mm-hmm. and then it was March of next year, and then it was June of next year. Now currently, the betting odds are July of next year. Yeah, for yeah. the for rates to get cut. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So now play that funky music, white boy. Lawrence Yoon, National Association of Realtors. This from Yahoo Finance. And I'm not even going to talk a whole bunch of shit before we play it, because it's going to speak for itself. Federal Reserve is clearly overdoing the rate hike. I mean, they are breaking clearly on the commercial real estate side, but on the residential side, the affordability, the monthly payment to buy a medium price home by middle-income person has essentially doubled from pre-COVID to today. I mean, this is taking away the American dream, the dream of ownership opportunity. So we need to assure that mortgage rate uh, trends downward, and that can only happen if the Fed essentially say, we will stop raising rates, and once the inflation is clearly under 3%, we will start cutting interest rate. So I think that trending, I think will begin to occur in early spring of next year, but I hope the Fed begins to make those announcements. Okay, uh, so okay. if you ever wanted to know what a crackhead looks like in a suit, Lawrence Yoon, everybody, the National Association of Realtors. <laughs> Talk about, there's so much bullshit packed into such a short statement. First and foremost, okay. I mean, it wasn't too long ago where you were saying a co- singing a completely different song. Me? No, Lawrence Yoon. Oh, yeah, that fucking canary is, well, he will follow anybody who feeds it. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. First of all, the National Association of Realtors always, always, their solution to the affordability crisis is always for rates to go down. Mm-hmm. Hey, fucker, there's another option here, okay? Home prices can go down, but they don't want that to happen because brokers, uh, the real estate brokers, the, the realtors, the the mortgage loan officers, everybody in the space gets paid a commission off the highest possible value or the highest loan to value, which is driven by the value of the property. So they all think the solution to the affordability crisis is always for rates to go down. And then you layer in some clickbait bullshit like, oh, the Fed is killing the American dream. No, motherfucker, you you guys killed the American dream by helping pump up home values to your extent. I mean, granted, there were many other factors involved in it, the government you know, in and of themselves and a lot of the people, but you contributed, dude. You were on the front lines. Right. At the same time, this man knows his trade group is being sued for antitrust violations, which for those of you who don't know, is a monopoly in controlling prices, price fixing commissions in the market. Redfin just had beef with them. Several major brokerages already paid to get their way out of this whole lawsuit. Mm-hmm. And this fucking guy has the balls to go on to Yahoo Finance. And sit there and say, the Fed is killing the American dream, and the only way this gets better is if rates go down. No, fuck you. It's if home values go down and rates go down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, not too long ago, they were telling all, all the people that were you know, buying into their associations that you know, they were feeding them gun drops and lollipops, telling them, no, now's a good time to buy. You know, rate, values are still going to go up. And now 
not only him, but his uh, buddies over at the National Association of Home Builders, the uh, Mortgage Bankers Association. They're now sending letters to the Fed asking them, like, please stop, please stop. I guarantee you that Jerome Powell got the letter and wiped his ass with it after a nice, nasty, chili lunch. So let me ask you a question. Do you want to put some tinfoil hats on for a second? Mine's been on. You took yeah, these off? <laughs> so what if, what if there's something more at play here, right? Housing affordability is at an all-time high or all-time low, whichever way you want to look at it, right? People can't afford to buy homes, right? Yeah. And what really drives the economy or one of the main components that drives the economy is this American dream, getting people locked in to a Life, home. liberty, pursuit of happiness. Pursuit of happiness as originally drafted by the founders of this country at that time actually meant ownership of property. Right. And what if they... They know, okay, if if home affordability is out of reach for this many this many Americans, okay, I had a stat in here that uh, you know certain generations have like over, I think it was millennials have forty three percent of consumers out there have student loan debt. Yeah. Okay, you're gonna get into an article a little bit later that talks about how much of people's incomes are gonna go into their mortgage payments, and you're like, okay, factor in student loan debt, factor in cre- their minimum credit card payments. People cannot afford to buy homes. Nope. So if they can't afford to buy homes, they're not locked into some form of debt that's going to take up a majority of their income for 30 years. Yeah. Okay. So could that potentially ruin the American dream and could that potentially hurt the economy for the long term? Right. I would. Tinfoil has salon. Yeah, of course. I would argue it already has. I would argue you've eviscerated a good chunk of the middle class already. Okay. And there's a lot of people who get at me in comment sections on social media. They send me they send me emails to Saeed at higherstandardpodcast.com. And they always complain that we don't understand that the middle class doesn't exist. It's working class and uber rich. So here's the tinfoil hat portion of it, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. What if inflation does come down, right? And he's like, man. What we really need to tackle, what they're really trying to tackle here is maybe home affordability. And it's like nothing they're doing is bringing home prices down far enough. I didn't bring the article for the show notes tonight, but there was a statement by Jerome Powell. It was very sly, and it was in some random-ass third-party interview where he basically said, we're trying to get home values down, and it's not working. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he pretty much said that. I think it was like a rare moment where he fucked up, and everyone was like, oh, shit. We gotta we get that off the, off the interwebs. Like, yeah, it, yeah, it was, because that's not what he's supposed to be saying, and that's not part of their dual mandate. But you could tell he was frustrated that that has not responded yet. Yeah, well, the, that and unemployment, I'm sure, is what he's really upset with because they're they're trying to tackle wage inflation. If that comes down, then people can't afford to buy homes, and homes will ultimately have to come down. It's a trickle down effect. Yeah, well, it hasn't trickled. There's no trickle. And ain't nobody going down. <laughs> so nobody happy. <laughs> no one's going down. No one's going happy, man. You know, I'm just hell? saying, it's not going down for real. <laughs> All right, from CNN Business, before we say any more cliche shit, why the housing market is going from tough to terrible. The monthly payment on an average price home now requires 40% of the median household income. This was a point of conversation between Said and I before the show because he wants to unpack what that really means, so we will. Making housing the least affordable it's been since 1984, baby, according to ICE. When were you born, 84? Oh, man. When were you born? 86, baby. Fuck me. Really? <laughs> yeah. 
You barely call yourself an 80s baby. I know, man. June 1980. <laughs> you were born six years after six me? Six years. When I was 18. But no one tells you me. You were 12? No one tells me that I look like a 20 year old. When I was drinking, when I was 21, you were 15? Yeah, man. God damn. <laughs> that hurts. Yeah. <sighs> the last time home affordability was this tight, interest rates were at 13.6%. This was the sentence and the paragraph, the reason why I included this article. Okay, I'm going to say it again because I think it's really impactful. So pay attention. If you're driving, prop yourself up. Focus, focus. Don't get into an accident. Turn the test on autopilot. Let's go. Last time home affordability was this tight, interest rates were at 13.6%, roughly six points higher than today. And the average home price was about 3.5 times the median Household income, says Andy Walden, vice president of enterprise research at ICE Mortgage Technology. Today, after years of low interest rates helping drive purchase prices up, the average home costs six times more than the median income. To bring affordability back to long-term averages, he said, it would take some combination of up to 37% declines in home prices. Mortgage rates dropping by four percentage points, or a 60% growth in median household incomes. Run that back one more time so people can make ah. sure. Run that back one more time so people can hear what, what you just said again. To bring affordability back to long-term averages, just the average of what it's been historically, normal affordability, if you will, he said it would take some combination of up to a 37% decline in home prices, mortgage rates dropping by four percentage points, or a 60% growth in median household incomes. Newsflash. Fuck. Newsflash. None of that is happening. Is someone going to pay me 60% more? <laughs> no, please, me. Yeah. I can use it. Popcorn Arun. <laughs> <laughs> so another, another uh, point in this article that they made that I think doesn't get talked about enough is that when a Fed is overly aggressive in raising interest rates, they, it can cause real damage to the economy long-term, right? The Fed themselves, Bernanke, right? Or Bernanke, or ben, however you... Ben Bernanke, bro. He himself, homie. he himself... Watch yourself. Yeah, the, the, the laureate. That man's, that man's the, the man. Yeah, Nobel man. Prize winner. I mean, first of all, anybody who's bald and has, like, the bubble of the haircut clown sides yeah. and still gets the respect that he does... Oh, and he's shitting on Jerome Powell every chance he gets. I mean, I guarantee you he pulls more ass than Rabini. Has to. Nobel Prize winner, bro. Yeah. Hey, Rabini, how's the economy treating you? <laughs> Recession. He, Bernanke himself said that the great the Fed made the Great Great Depression worse than it had to be. That's true. Because Facts. because no because they held interest rates higher for longer and probably a little bit too long. I don't think. Look, and I know people are going to criticize the Fed, and this is going to be a real politically charged statement. Looking at how the economies responded, and I don't like the Fed's methodology. I think they should have been more consistent over time, 50 basis points, 50 basis points, 50 basis points, more methodical and explained their tact a lot more. Mm -hmm. I will say this. In their defense, a lot of the numbers they're trying to get to move have not fucking moved. Right. So, and here's the problem, and this is the part of the article that I thought doesn't get spoken about enough, is that when there's good news in the economy, like... 336,000 jobs added last month or GDP for Q3 of 2023 is coming in at 5%. Okay, man, that just means the Fed's going to hold it higher 
for longer. When mm-hmm. there's good news like that in the economy, the Fed doesn't like it. Which is why you're seeing those predictions move out. Right. But can we put the tinfoil hats back on for a second? Put it on. Yeah. Not, never took mine off. <laughs> Should have known. <laughs> <laughs> Look, let those of you who are listening to the show are among a select rare breed. The higher standard of humans, if you will. Racers. Thugs. <laughs> and um, not everybody is as financially astute as you likely are after listening to the show. You're welcome. Hashtag blessed. So the majority of Americans can be easily manipulated. And I would I would argue now more than ever, here's a tinfoil hat part, that we have seen the widespread amount of information and disinformation from sources that we don't realize are doing that. Back in the day, it was easy to say, oh, this media outlet's got a bias or a slant towards the left or the right, or there's a political agenda. But people don't understand how social media has been weaponized. There are, I guarantee you, hundreds of thousands of accounts at any given moment in time, maybe even millions, that are ran by organizations both domestically and internationally, whose entire intention is to spin a rhetoric with viral content and to get you to believe certain things. And you see it and I get, I get people who forward me shit every fucking day in social media. Even my dad and my sister does. Everybody, they, they, they'll forward you content that's completely fucking baseless, but it's become widely adopted as normalized things, and they don't realize they're being manipulated. Yeah, man. And this positive rhetoric is really fucking with people. Mm-hmm. And it's getting people to spend. And, believe, and I know people in the real estate market, and I'll, I'll be candid. I know people in like businesses like wholesaling. I have been warning over and over and over again. I am concerned about your business. I am concerned what happens when the investors go away. I've already seen the data which says the investors I have gone away. And they're like, nah, bro, it's going to be amazing, man. You don't understand. Like this dude on social media I follow, he says it's going to be amazing. It's like, dope, yeah, no cap. <laughs> and you're just like, what? You do. It's so good, man. Thank you. I practice that in the mirror all the yeah. time. <laughs> Well done. Thank you. Like a Southern California vibe to it. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Right. Yeah, for sure. Arun, you've been very silent back there. I actually had a question. So, oh. we, so clearly this is not realistic, right? The thirty-seven percent decline, the four percentage points going up or going down, sorry, or all of us getting a pay raise. What needs to happen? Like, how can we fix the, like, um, how can we fix the housing market? Well, if you believe Saeed's conspiracy theory, <laughs> they don't want us to fix the market. They want to widen the gap between the wealthy. And they're not wealthy, and then there'll be a two-class society, right? Oh, no, the conspiracy theory was the other way, where they can't afford to lose out the middle class, so maybe they're going to hold interest rates for as long as they need to to make the housing affordability, you know, correct itself, no matter oh, what. I did not get that, that at all. For that was the saying. tinfoil hat where it's like, okay, what if, it, what if inflation, well, we know inflation is not going to hit 2% without rent and rent equivalent coming down. You can't be throwing out conspiracy theories that are so complex that nobody understands it. What do you mean? I thought it was pretty. I did not get that. Arun, did you get that from what he said earlier? Nope. I thought it was. I was with uh, Chris. Yeah. Oh, that, they, you want you? They want no, no, no. Because what I was saying is this, right? Look, they want people to buy into the American dream and get themselves locked into thirty-year debt. God damn. God bless you. I wish I had that rosy optimism and like fucking fuzzy, warm feels about the, about people. I, I'm looking at this people going like, I'm gonna get richer. Fuck you guys. You're gonna get poorer. No. Why is there like a, we need the middle class? No, bullshit? because if, if they truly want the economy to continue to get stimulated, they need people to buy into the American dream. First of all, I'm always for stimulation. Okay? Always. I support yeah. stimulation everywhere I can. All the time. We should all be stimulated. Every day. As much as possible. Right. Frequently. 
honestly, it's needed. You need it to feel things, right? So I agree, and I support that 100%. But I don't think that people are that smart. I think greed is is what takes over, and people make greedy decisions. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the, the thing that bothers me, too, is, look, the people that are still buying into the optimism, okay, they're seeing, you know, the high job numbers or low unemployment rate, but corporate profits over the last nine months, the last three quarters have been negative, right? And there's there's something out there's something out there called forward guidance, right? Mm-hmm. Which basically is uh, you know, analysts are out there projecting and business and corporations are out there projecting what next quarter is gonna look like. So it gives people something to, I don't know. Uh, hedge their bets on or see where the company's going down the road, right? They're already projecting negative earnings for next year or yeah. next quarter, I should say. So Which, along those lines, we called an earnings recession uh, almost a year ago. So how the hell could we have a booming economy? Yeah, boom, boom, baby. Right? The Fed's tackling wage inflation, credit card debt, delinquencies, defaults are all on the rise, but... Everything, everyone's acting like, no, 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 the economy's fine. The consumer's resilient. Well, to answer your, your question more specifically, Arun, and I think those of you who are listening who have the same question, and I think it's a very valid one, is we don't know. Uh, hypothetically speaking, none of those three things are going to happen individually. But again, it was a combination of those three things, right? The rates going down, home values coming down, and wages going up. But... The unfortunate reality is, is we know that something has to happen because it's not sustainable without something changing. Mm-hmm. And I know it's ambiguous and it's overbroad. And people are like, well, Chris, you guys are supposed to know. Nobody knows. Everybody's got a theory. My, my theory that we, we just recently predicted on this same show was that the commercial real estate market is going to break down. And as that breaks down, uh, I think there's going to be tolls that will be paid along other sectors. You have to understand the economy is much more interwoven and linked than we realize. The debt markets and businesses and banking and businesses and all these things wrap into one another, the consumer spending, and it's all integrated. That's why you can have a subprime mortgage meltdown and then people losing their homes and all these reverberating effects of the economy. Something has to be the catalyst for reverberating effects of the economy that has a significant impact on affordability on homes. And if we don't, Saeed's theory is wiped out entirely because there will, won't be a middle class left. And I'm very much concerned about what that means for the next generation of wealth or lack thereof as a result of these things. Yeah, It is, is, is going to be a lifetime problem. And frankly, I'm more worried now than ever before in my lifetime, an adult lifetime, of, of the real complexities of war. Right. I, this is a, I'm a guy who vividly remembers the Iran-Iraq uh, controversy. I remember so many wars that we've lived through. And granted, I mean, I'm not the, the worst wars are before my time. What I can tell you is, is now you've got so many political players moving outside the United States from a fiscal perspective, China and Russia making deals, for example, that really could move the United States out of the financial position of being this preferred place to park your money, i.e. treasuries. Right. So the next article from CNBC the 30-year fixed mortgage rate just hit 8% for the first time since 2000 as Treasury yields soar. This is another thing that we called. We looked it up on the show several shows ago, and we saw that the mortgage rates were being quoted at the time at 8%, but we said that was an average, didn't include agency debt. Well, agency debt is now there. Mm-hmm. The average rate on the popular 30-year fixed mortgage rate hit 8% on Wednesday morning of last week. 
According to Mortgage News Daily, that is the highest level since mid-2000. Wow. Yikes. Today is Monday, the 23rd of October. For reference, the milestone came as bond yields soar to levels not seen since 2007. Again, another reference to 2006-2007 period. We've said all this many, many, many times in the last couple of episodes, and it's starting to freak me out. Mm-hmm. Mortgage rates follow loosely the yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury, which you now know because you listened to our big bond episode. Big bomb, baby. Big bombs. <laughs> <laughs> Rates rose sharply this week and last week as investors digest more reads on the economy. On Wednesday, it was housing starts, which rose in September, though not as much as expected, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. So this article was solely to say, number one, we're right. Okay? Because that just has to be said. Good job, man. Yeah, good job. Yeah. You look good when you're right, man. Me too, man. Fuck you. God so damn. right. Have you been wrong? No. <laughs> Maybe once or twice. But not here. Not here. Not on this show. Someplace outside of here, you've right. been wrong. Exactly. Does that feel weird? No. Foreign, maybe? A little bit. A little alien? <laughs> I don't know what that's like. <laughs> not, not on this show. My wife would be like, this motherfucker's wrong every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not yet, anyways. But number two, to show you that all the data seems to be moving the wrong way. Yeah, man. It's not going the way we thought it was going to go. And I, I was actually reading an article too. Uh, you read earlier today that, you know, people think that rates have a lot more room to go as far as like for them to increase. I am one of those people. Yeah. And what a lot of you know, first time home buyers are getting now are help from their parents, because like we got to get this this kid a house now because he may never get a house. So a lot of kids are getting help from their parents. And for those of y'all googling my name and parents. Fuck you, A, and B, ain't nobody helping me buy shit, okay? That's the number one search thing with my name when you go to SEO for Google. It still pisses me off. Yeah. I know we talked about it before, but I haven't let it go. Yeah, yeah clearly. I'm going to let it go in a couple episodes. When I find who's searching for my parents. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that. so you're seeing a lot of that too. And you know who's really going to get hit in this is people like institutional investors. Yeah, uh, well, I think everybody in the finance sector is going to get hit pretty hard in ding-ding. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like one of those quick thwips, and it's just going to sting, and then it's going to reverberate through your body. Right. But um, earlier you had mentioned that it, you know, in order to qualify for some of these homes now, it's taken up approximately 40% of you know, someone's income in order to pay the average person's income in order to pay this mortgage payment. Yep. Right? And there are guidelines out there right now that – are working against that saying that's too much, especially with banks around, you know, signaling, we're going to tighten our lending practices, Mm -hmm. our underwriting guidelines. So you technically wouldn't even qualify or shouldn't even qualify. No. And and that's, that's where it gets really emotional for some people is they're trying to qualify as much as they can. So just for like a broad perspective, Fetty and Franny, Fetty, (laughs) Freddy and Fanny, our government right. agencies. Government-sponsored enterprises, the GSEs, right? Mm-hmm. They were sponsored by the government, not technically 100% government-owned. They've gone back and forth over the years. For the purpose of this conversation, just think about them as government-adjacent, right? Mm-hmm. These agencies are really in place to try to make home affordability a thing. Like, yes. able to, people are able to buy a home. Right, and for the lenders out there that are you know, making home loans, they'll buy those home loans off those banks so that they can go out and do more home loans. It creates liquidity in the markets, particularly for housing. Housing was always looked at a good place to lend. But in order to do so, they have a certain criteria that needs to be met. Also known as underwriting guidance, right? Mm-hmm. So 
the uh, Arun looked up, looked up an interesting rule. The 28% mortgage rule states that you should spend 28% or less of your monthly growth income on your mortgage payment, uh, e.g. principal interest taxes and insurance. Yeah, so right there, you yeah, know, you're, you're paying 40%, and the rule is not to pay over 28%. But Fannie's, uh, Fannie Mae's guidelines, right, is any, somewhere between, you know, 36 to 45%. And yes. 45%, though, is like, you're cutting it close, man. So there's a front-end ratio and a back-end ratio. The front-end ratio is not including your full-end mortgage debt. Yeah. The back-end ratio includes your mortgage debt, right? So yeah. typically 55% is your cap. So if you're at 40% on the front-end, your back-end with your mortgage payment, mm -hmm. it's going to be 55 yeah. or more. So and you're generally not going to qualify if you're that high up. You're Exactly. You're not Especially now with you think about credit card debt being all-time high, what are people's minimum payments, mm -hmm. right? You got student loan repayments coming back. So I have the stats here now. 28% uh, of uh, Gen Z consumers have student loan debt, okay? Uh, for millennials, 43%. For Gen X, 21% of consumers. That's a, a a student loan payment now that just came back online anywhere between three to $500. Mm. So you factor that in, you know, you people can't, People can't afford to buy homes even if they wanted to. No, no. Yeah. It, it's a wild problem. And I think... Um, even if they have the down payment, that's the that's the part that people don't realize. Like, wait a minute. I have hundred grand to put down on a home, but I don't qualify? What? what that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And it, it's it's going to become a problem that I think will continue to bolster. That, that's why you need to see a combination of home values coming down, wages going up, and rates going down in order for people to really meet that criteria. To be able to even buy a home... Even if those things happen, right, right, it can't just be one. Yeah, they all kind of have to come to come together and do certain things. And we already know that rates won't be coming down, right? Because what the treasuries are signaling that we've talked about on the previous episodes, and you can find the clip on YouTube. And if you're over there, you can go ahead and smash that like button, ring that notification bell, subscribe to the channel. Little little fun thing: if you actually like four or five posts uh, in a row, there's actually a special icon which will come up. So go to our go to our page, link four or five posts in a row, and you won't be disappointed. Or I'm a lying bastard, and you just liked four posts. <laughs> <laughs> and we appreciate you very much, right? I guess you'll never know. Yeah, exactly. They call it an Easter egg, kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to Saeed's point, rates are, in fact, going up. This, according to the street, Morgan Stanley makes a bold, tough prediction for home prices next year. If rates, which briefly reached 8% this past week, move back up and stay there for a protracted amount of time, existing home prices could fall as much as 5%, which in my mind is wildly short of what they need to do. Mm. Investment bank Morgan Stanley says, that would be a shock to sellers. Really? 5%? That's it. Okay. Many of whom already <laughs> are already are seeing sales drop in local markets. Buyers would be hurt too. Supply for homes is already tight, and obtaining financing would be harder. Yeah. I mean, typically in an environment like this, most people would wait to make sure that they're on, they're selling at the high end, mm -hmm. right? But now, you know, even if they've reached the high end, they don't want to sell their home because they don't want to go out and shell out a couple more thousand dollars a month on a new mortgage for another house that is not as big or not as nice. So let me, let me, let's go back here. Let's, let's back up a little bit. Let, a lot of it, banks will call stuff like this. A lot of economists will. And other than Lawrence Yoon, who I hate because I've got a bias. Yeah. I belong to the trade group. Like, like, but I just see how manipulated people in the trade group are by this false information. And the realtors start spitting the shit back, and it's just frustrating. Mm -hmm. I believe Morgan Stanley's wrong here. I think rates will go higher, higher than 8%. 
I certainly think that the market's going to stall and I think it's going to be bad for everyone. So I agree with the sellers and buyers thing, but I think bad's the only way to get to good. You got to go through bad to get to good here mm -hmm. and bad shit's got to happen. And frankly, if we get this rosy, good things happen and everybody's happy, I'm more concerned. Well, what about, what about a scenario where if the U S debt gets downgraded, you know, cause it's, the a, it's a real threat because the deficit gets way out of hand. Right, it's Be fucking already way out of hand. It's already way out of hand. So the you know, basic economics, right? The government makes their revenue off taxes, mm -hmm. right? Whether it's our personal income taxes, corporation taxes, property taxes, that's how they make their revenue, right? Yep. And then at last year they made four trillion dollars. Guess how much they spent? Six trillion dollars. They got a spending problem. Okay. Now, but here's the problem with that: they made four trillion dollars. Off a lot of capital gains tax. And a lot of people spending a lot of money because earnings were high. So what's going to happen when the capital gains tax goes away? And earnings come down, like i.e. an earnings recession. And corporations aren't making as much money, so they're not paying ta as much in taxes. You think they're going to go, you know what, guys? Hey, we spent $6 billion last year. We should not deploy those aircraft carriers to the Middle East. Yeah, there's going to be that. But here's the part that's going to really suck when, okay, that's one approach. But what if they say, all right, uh, you know, teachers are going to have to cut some of their pay. Healthcare, they're going to have to get some cut. Some of that infrastructure set stuff that we promised some areas of the country that we're going to do, we got to pull that back now. You know, we said we we're going to pay for your student loans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stuff like that, right? Yeah. And you're like, now they're going to have to, what are they going to have to do to make, because they're not going to reduce their spending that much. No. So what are they going to have to do? They're going to have to take out more debt. Yeah. And this just now compounds and becomes a bigger and bigger problem is anybody worried the u.s is, is run like bernie madoff's like ponzi scheme yeah. that's what's going on here how is this not a problem at right? some point you can't keep paying people back and then keep in mind now we talked about it you, you said here earlier right treasuries are on the rise hitting all-time highs again now or since like haven't seen these uh treasuries hit since 2007 these rates right so you got to think like so you're going to be pulling out more debt at higher interest rates too so now your interest payments, listen to this. We, we, I've cited this on the show before. Our interest payments on our U.S. government debt will be more than how much we spend on military defense. Yep. We pay approximately $1.7 trillion in military defense. And we have the highest military defense costs yeah, in by, the world. By far. Yeah. It's not even close. Yeah. Rightfully so. I like feeling safe. I like, it makes me feel good. Do you really feel safe? Yeah, I feel really safe. Let me just hypothetically throw something out there. I got something that I want to. I don't want. I don't want to get political on the show though. I don't want to talk. What, what you got? No, you? man. I saw. I saw some. I saw some footage of the uh, Israeli dome, the Iron Dome. I think they call it. I don't, know, like, that, I don't even know. You don't know what that is? No. Oh man, it's there's some some of the footage of what was going on and basically missiles that were being shot, you know, over in, into Israel, and they're they, they call it an Iron Dome because they have missiles that track the missiles and will go and stop it before it ever comes down. Oh, the missile defense system. Yeah, so I'm like, man, if they got that, yo, we for sure got that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I got I got a whole thing there. It gets into aliens and shit. And I'm like, like I'm not even trying to get political, but when I saw that, I didn't even know something. To be honest, I'm so ignorant. I didn't even know something like that existed. Look at this. This is crazy. Yeah, all it is is it's a missile defense system, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, it, it's like soundproof, right? And you're like, goddamn. So, so, yeah, well, the U.S. Is, has this and more. I'm actually convinced that one of these exists vis-a-vis -a, -vis a satellite mm -hmm. in orbit in space. Yeah. Like, you got to think, like, Russia and the United States, 
Now, I'm not prob- saying and probably put like some kind of missile defense system. I'm not. In. I'm not. That's not me taking a side on any one or which way. I'm just saying that's something that I noticed, and I was yeah, like, "Please don't, bro." Like, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I've seen shit get so censored on social media. Like I'm not even. It's not it's, touching it with a rune's dick. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next article. <laughs> so, <laughs> was it too much? It's still at left field. <laughs> I you know something I don't care to touch stuff with. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like I would walk. You, em- you want to emphasize that I want to touch it. Do that, or I would you know not wear those shoes in that bathroom. I mean, what do you what do you mean? Oh, there <laughs> yeah. you go. All right, going back to the Kobe letter, the K letter as we called it, the fast decline in U.S. housing markets, one year drop. Number one, Austin, Texas, negative eleven point six percent should come as no surprise. We talked about the housing market there, uh, the rental market in particular. Uh, last episode, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Number two caught me a little bit off guard. Off guard. Boise, Idaho, negative 8.6%. Yeah, well, that, they had a big boom, man, during the pandemic. Yeah, everybody's like, oh, I can move to Idaho. It's going to be amazing. Coeur d'Alene, dope. Yeah, let's go. I, I remember, I can only imagine the people in Idaho, like, seeing people from California come over, like, no, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, this, they're, going, they're going, fuck. God, not you guys. <laughs> the worst. Yeah. Did you ask for Avion? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we don't have Fiji water. Yeah. Where's the Erewhon? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, New Orleans, Louisiana, negative 8%. Tied with Lake Charles, Louisiana, negative 8% for number four. Phoenix, Arizona, negative 7%. Las Vegas, negative 7%. Provo, Utah, negative 6.7%. Chris Crowen lives out there. He can kiss my ass. Reno, Nevada, negative 5.7%. Chico, California, negative 5.7%. I don't get that one. And San Jose, California, home to the number one fitness podcast in the world don't only pump your body but pump your mind they make you sexy you know what else makes you really sexy negative 5.5 percent there's a little company out there called transcend makes mm. them makes you really sexy i mean i feel sexy and you make you feel sexy you were hitting on me before the show yeah and then arun said i got like a v taper to my back which is complete bullshit but i appreciate the lie wow i will take i will take the lie because it made me feel good about being fat you, gotta... oh, you look good today see that's why he got made out with before the show and you didn't so true true story everybody out there in listener land uh arun and i embraced we had a nice warm heartfelt hug and i gave him a kiss in the cheek before the show and i invited you to come into the hug and you declined because i knew what you were doing what do you mean what i was doing we chris there is a proven hormonal response a biological response to a long, heartfelt embrace. And I was just yeah. bringing out the chemicals in his body, baby. Yeah, that was your way of getting him to team up with you against me on this show. He hasn't teamed Ten up. Ten seconds with... into the show, you call me Fat Albert, so I... I You did, did not... do that. I just said it sounded like, you hey, hey, hey. That. I did not call you Fat oh, Albert. Oh, you, okay, you just. I don't, I was the one that has always had your back. This is the guy that used to get at you, not me. No, I look, I've been supportive of his weight loss journey. Me too. I've been very happy with, frankly, just his overall demeanor. He's been doing great. I mean. I see him on the watch. You seat. sound insincere. T- today, as today fun. he was a little light. I was, I was checking his watch. He was a little light today. He didn't I don't do get much. alerts for his workouts. Am I not following you? No, he's not working out. I'm he's not just, working out. He's I'm just not. active. Just active. Yeah, it's better yeah. than I'm doing most days these days. Really? Today you got a wild workout in. Yeah, yeah. I did a lot of like uh, a lot of like. So I've been doing cardio for like 20 minutes to get warm, and then I'll be I'll do like an Olympic lifting session, almost like CrossFit style, but not that not that wild and more paced and at my own at my own cadence. Mm-hmm. Where I'm doing like clean push press, front squat, and I'll just do that, and I just keep a good sweat going. Yeah, just on rotation. Yeah, like a circuit. Yeah, all my all my lifts are circuits. I never, I've never, I never just go in and like lift like one lift at a time. 
Oh, yeah. I don't have time, man. You know, that dad life, bro. Really? I thought you used to be into, like, bodybuilding style lifting. Even then, I was doing, I would do a circuit. Like, I would do, like, uh, if it were leg day, I would do, like, legs and shoulders because yeah. they're two just very different muscle groups. Yeah, it's, like, full body, yeah. Not full body. I would just work two muscle groups that are, you know, adjacent body parts. Like, I wouldn't do, like. Back and biceps? I'll do, like, I'll still do back and biceps mm-hmm. on, on uh, I know a lot of people are like, oh, you should have an arm day, bro, but I'm not that guy. No, no, yeah, I'm. Yeah, that. I'm not that guy because I, I look at like you can use like chest and back or bigger muscle groups mm-hmm. and I can work a smaller muscle group like back and buys the same day and just work out to the fatigue and then be called a wrap. Get like eight lifts in, I'm done. Mm. But volume, baby. Yeah, I've really, I've, I, so I've recently now, I'm, I'm, I'm new. Don't get at it's me. working out. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. No, this time around, I'm, I'm sticking through for the re- rest of the year. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I've adopted the mind pump way. Oh. Yeah. Three days a week, full body, three days a week. So that, Full body three days a week. Yeah, because what I started to notice is because I used to lift the same style, right? Where yeah, I'll yeah. do like something like back and biceps or you know chest and triceps, maybe mix in a little bit of shoulders with that too, right? And then I'll do legs day. But then I'll notice that if I did have to cut out a workout during the week, I'd always find a way to cut out legs. I would, and I know that's shocking. They're so strong. I'm I am refraining from commenting on the obvious. So I was like, no, man, I got to find a way to make sure I hit every muscle group at least twice a week. And this way, I'll hit it three times a week. See, my problem with the full body workouts is if if done right, you fatigue heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the last thing I want to do is, like, I, I want to be tired. And I want to feel like I got a good workout in. Mm-hmm. But I want to wake up the next day and have certain parts of my body that are sore. Because if I do get time to work out, I want to be able to work out again the next day. Or, yeah. I, like, I've, I kind of have, like, a cadence now with our schedule, recording schedule that, that I know is pretty consistent. But I'm only really lifting hard three days a week. What you need to get on is you need to get on BPC-157 from Transcend. Mm, that's what I've heard. I've heard a lot of good things. Just the recovery alone. I I was recovering faster. I wasn't, my digestive system was so much better. I mean, it was notable for me. So if you're recovering faster, your muscles are no longer feeling sore, but what is it? What does that, what about, does it also help you recover with your tendons? If like your tendons are a little tight and sore too? Uh, I mean, yeah, a little bit, but I, I don't really have that experience. I couldn't really speak really? to it, but yeah. I'll tell you, one of the guys that I really look up to uh, that that talks to me a lot about, like, lifting and stuff like that, I'll run stuff by. He was like, bro, why are you even on creatine anymore? Like, you should be, you have BPC, you have that in your system, you'll be be fine. Your cover will be Really? Okay, well, creatine has so many other benefits, too. Yeah, I never stopped taking it. Um, I've been on creatine for years. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, I didn't mean to get off topic. Many of these markets uh, that we spoke about, the top 10 there, ending with San Jose, uh, were heavily investor-driven over the last few years. A lot of investors in the markets. Mm-hmm. According to the, la- the latest data, investor home purchases are down nearly 50% this year. So, whenever I talk about, yo, man, like, I don't know how to tell you this, bro, but, like, wholesaling is here to stay, okay? Like, I listened to Lawrence Yuna of the National Association of Realtors, and, like, man, like, your your, your vibes are all wrong, bro. You're giving me, like... Like trauma. <laughs> I, don't, I, I haven't gotten hit to the trauma one. I haven't heard that yet. I know you keep citing it. Oh, I've heard a lot. Yeah, you're giving me trauma. It's like, like you, I'm getting like trauma from you right that's now. A, that's blowing shit out of proportion. That's facts. a little too much for me. Facts. Yeah. I like the facts. Not like you're, I'm getting trauma. Like I, the vibes I'm getting are trauma, like trauma vibes. Oh, like you, yeah. oh, I've been traumatized. It's giving trauma. Oh. Like, it's giving negativity. You know, whatever you, you get. I got to break you in. I, I got, here's what I'll do I'll take you to LA. We'll go to like a really hip coffee spot and we'll talk to like the younger people. Okay. People that look my age, 20s. <laughs> and, and then, You're holding on to that. Yeah, huh? That uh, made your week, huh? Yeah, it did, did. All right. So I'm going to go back to this article because the last the quotes are important. And, and yes, according to the latest data, investor home purchases are down nearly 50% this year. 
out <laughs> all as tons of Airbnb properties in major cities are hitting the market. The return of supply would break this market. I would agree with that statement I don't think wholeheartedly. So. I don't think so. What? Airbnb only makes up 1%, not less than 1% no, 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 of no. the market. The return of supply would break this market. Airbnb is just only one oh, portion. I thought, it, I thought it meant the return of the supply from Airbnb. No, this is, this is a multi-cocktail of factors, much like affordability would have to have wages go down, uh, wages mm -hmm. go up, rates go down, and home prices go down. This is basically saying that as investors pull out of the market, Airbnb properties hit the market, and you have home prices declining in these markets, that Molotov cocktail would ultimately lead to more supply. Right. So there's a Wall Street Journal that we referenced earlier on the show that I didn't get a chance to reference this, but it makes sense to bring it up here that institutional investors really took a hit, and two of them being Avalon Bay Communities and Equity Residential, which was founded by? I don't know. R.I.P. Sam Zell. Oh, uh, what a fucking G. Gangster. I want to do a full episode on what a thug that dude was. Yeah, man. He was, he, he deserves it. He definitely deserves it. And I almost thought, because we are in the process of making merch, for those of you who stayed this far on the show, thank you. But we're in the process of making merchandise, which shirts, t-shirts, and hats, which we hope to be able to sell to those of you who supported the show and asked for a way to support the show. Obviously, we prefer you click on the link, go to Transcend, and talk to somebody there. But if you can't do that or you won't do that, or you just think, you know what? I want to be a walking billboard for these guys. We love you, and yes. we got you. Yeah. But one of the things I wanted to do, and I thought may have crossed the line, is I wanted to have a shirt that said R.I.P. Sam Zell on the front wow. and Kermit the Frog on the back. Wow. Oh, okay, that part. I was about to say R.I.P. Sam Zell. That was your idea. Yeah. Oh, that you gave me via text message. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, wild. The idea was to come out with the R.I.P. Say it first, bro. Nobody cares. <laughs> the idea was to come out with the R.I.P. Sam Zell shirt and donate all the profits from that one specific shirt into any of his like nonprofit organizations that he's associated with. If we get the 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 merch ecom site set up, and that's some of the some of them have that built in where they have like a charitable foundation like yeah. service. Then we'll figure that out. But logistically, I don't I don't know how we do it right now. So those those two institutional investors, right? Uh, Avalon Bay Communities and Equity Residential, they're both real estate investment trusts that we've routinely talked about on the show. Uh, their shares have fallen six percent and eighteen percent respectively. Wow, so far on the year, right? Yeah. And they're taking a major hit. And uh, some a company like Equity uh, Residential, they have approximately eighty thousand units. Yeah, yeah, a lot. That's a lot, man. I mean, Sam's almost a billionaire, dude. <laughs> I know, but falling out of control. Next level. Yeah, here. Self-made. I want to go into extra innings to cover the, the National Association lawsuit, uh, realtors lawsuit. This is so good to really. Yeah, do you want you want to do that? Yeah, we can do that. We can go to extra innings. All right, but so it might be good enough to say for the next episode. You know? Nah, let's play. Let's play the audio. Let's let's uh, let's cock tease it a little bit, and then we'll see how people feel about it. It's been a rocky few months for the National Association of Realtors. While the powerful trade group faces two class action lawsuits, angry staffers are pressing for major leadership changes after a sexual harassment scandal sparked the exit of one president and cries for the resignation of another. The two landmark antitrust what? cases allege NAR, which has a reported 1.5 million members and $1.5 billion in assets across the U.S., colluded with some of the nation's top brokerages to inflate commissions paid by home sellers. The suits have been billed as titanic legal showdowns that could force defendants to pay punishing damages. Some brokerages named alongside NAR have already settled, 
Remax agreed to pay $55 million to extricate itself from the antitrust cases, while Anywhere Real Estate, the parent company of the Corcoran Group, Coldwell Banker, Century 21, and Sotheby's International Realty, agreed to shell out $83.5 million to settle the lawsuits. But those numbers pale in comparison to the reported $4 billion on the line if a jury rules in the plaintiff's favor. The cases have inspired a radical reassessment of NAR in the resi real estate community. Redfin recently announced it will require its agents to cancel their memberships to NAR, with CEO Glenn Kelman pointing to the trade group's rules requiring buyers' agents' fees on every listing and rules preventing Redfin.com from showing for sale by owner listings alongside agent listings as core reasons. For its part, NAR has laid out a doomsday scenario for the industry if home sellers prevail in two lawsuits. The trade group warned that a ruling against NAR could render buyers' agents unaffordable, block equal access to listings, and restrict buyer choice. NAR general counsel said that if the association isn't allowed to continue with some of its practices, quote, the industry would be forced back into the 19th century, or what we see in the Wild West, where unscrupulous people could regularly defraud clients. Along with the external challenges, NAR is dealing with internal turmoil. Tracy Casper took helm of the organization this summer following the departure of President Kenny Parcell, who resigned amid allegations of sexual harassment and fostering a culture of fear within the powerful trade association. While Casper's turn at the head of the embattled org has been a long time coming, staffers are pressing for widespread leadership changes, alleging upper-level management, Casper included, was aware of Parcel's pattern of misconduct, but prioritized protecting the president over the well-being of the staff. For more on NAR's many dramas, follow The Real Deal. <sighs> wow. The first thing that, that came to mind when I heard this whole thing was, get the fuck out of here. Back to the 19th century, the wild, wild west. Mm. How fucking arrogant can you be? First of all, Zillow and Redfin could turn on a listing service right now and wipe them out instantaneously. The only problem is they would be just as greedy as these assholes would be. Man, I just can't believe that the National Association of Realtors are, like, what they want. They want to die on the hill of requiring a fee it's a monopoly it's a twisted ass backward monopoly that's what antitrust lawsuits are trying to break is break down the monopoly these fucking guys are so and i'm so tired of lawrence yoon and the rest of them and their scare tactic bullshit right okay like oh i'm in a position of power so i can i can scare people with oh the fed is killing the american dream or Oh, you're going to get thrown back into the 19th century if we're not around. That sounds like a lot of arrogant shit. That sounds like every person who breaks up with somebody and says, you're never going to find someone like me again. What <laughs> oh, fuck? That's a good point. That does sound a lot like that. You're right. You heard that a lot during your lifetime? No, actually. <laughs> no. <laughs> what are you doing, man? <laughs> just, just quotes. Bars. Quotes. <laughs> <laughs> So I've been following this for a long time, and a lot of people have been sending us messages talking a lot about, hey, like, what's going on with this? Aren't you guys going to talk about it? And I've been kind of waiting for things to develop. It says a lot when two of the largest real estate companies in the U.S. have paid $55 million and $83.5 million just to get the fuck away from this. They're saying, look, we don't want any part of it. Yeah, that's got to be the alarming thing, right? If Remax, I think, paid, what was it, 50-some million dollars? 55, yeah. $55 million already. They're like, man, the writing's on the wall on this. Let me get out of this right now. Because it is a monopoly. I'll give you a great example. What are your choices? Instead of using a realtor, what are your choices today? For sale by owner, right? Yeah. Well, guess what? Their trade rules prevent everybody else from helping you list that property. That's why Redfin's so pissed. Right. Why can't I list a for sale by owner on my website Next to yours, if it's a competitive property, why should why what why is competition quote bad for the market? Right. Okay, it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. 
if you wanted to, t- to take a car ride somewhere and you wanted to pay for a ride service, you can take Uber. Usually, you with- can take. What's the other one uh, called? Lyft. Lyft, right? There, there's competing. There's space for competition. Competition is good. Right. I mean, usually with with you know monopolies like this, I'm surprised that this isn't on you know Congress's table. You know what? And I'm going to start a competing organization. I'm going to start my own trade group. Instead of being called realtors, I'm going to be called realtors. The way it should be fucking spelled in the first place. Oh. We're a realtor. Yeah. Why do they do that? And I'm going to put some weird ass tilde over the a. Just because. <laughs> yeah. I can. Dude, Adam's at a Adam's at a point where he's reading now, and I gotta start explaining to him like, oh, so this is knife. The K is silent. He's looking at me like, what the fuck are you talking no, about? No, it's knife. <laughs> like, what do you mean the K is silent? Kniffy. Like that doesn't make any sense. Our language is fucked up. It's when, so, when you have kids and you try to explain it to people, it's so fucked up. Yeah, like gnome. Yeah. Gnome. Yeah. Gnome. Yeah. It's confusing. Right. Yeah, we got all this silent shit, and there's no rules for it. It's just like, uh, it looks like it could be silent. You're like, what? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's very confusing. Next article from the Wall Street Journal. Real estate commissions could be the next fee on the chopping block. The pair of lawsuits we just spoke about seeks billions in damages, alleging the home sales industry was con- has conspired to keep costs high. And let's just be clear from the Real Deals quote that we just played, the video, uh, the former president of the trade group is out on allegations of sexual harassment and misconduct, and his replacement, the female whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, apparently has been rumored to have conspired to keep him safe and is now taking charge of the organization. Wow, really? This sounds like a really ethical group. So the idea that they may have conspired to keep costs high mm-hmm. sounds pretty fucking plausible to me. But then you throw in circumstantial evidence, like, I don't know, two of your largest real estate brokerages in the country have paid $55 million and $83.5 million. I don't know how to say this, but they're saying guilty as fuck, Your Honor. <laughs> Sounds, it looks pretty guilty. They're giving vibes. Yeah, all the vibes. All the vibes. So you really think that their commissions are on the chopping block? I We posed that question not too long ago. Yeah, so I, I think what's going to happen is, number one, what keeps the realtor system in place, realtor system in place, is that uh, the consumer generally doesn't have the financial literacy to or willingness to understand real estate, and they need somebody there to be like their, their thought leader or somebody to go to as a mentor in this process. They want to put that stress onto somebody else. It doesn't always work, and generally speaking, you as a home buyer know the stress if you've been trying to do it. But technology can displace real estate agents. I pose a question, should real estate agents have a flat fee? People are like, well, a commission is a flat fee because it's just a flat number. No, it's not. It's adjustable based on the commission of the home. What I'm suggesting is why can't a website say, hey, if your home value is between this and this, this is our fee. If it's between this and this, this is our fee, and it's just a flat thousand dollar fee three thousand dollar fee and they work on volume mm-hmm. right right i would take that I, you know if, if it meant the same transact transaction but everybody who's tried to do that has failed right like open door a lot of people who are in the displace the realtor camp and they're and they they really the realtors spend the national association realtor, realtors realtors i can't say the word without saying realtors because now i'm already starting my yeah. own trade group um they spend a shit ton of money on lobbying and politics and manipulating things and like data, mm-hmm. right? And the home builders do the same thing. Mortgage Bankers Association do the same thing. But the National Association of Realtors is far more powerful, okay? Open Door has come along from a technology perspective. And Adam, sexy Adam from Mind Pump, yeah. has been an investor and believer in Open Door. And a lot of people that I know are. But in order for them to be successful, this trade group has to lose some so power. So what is, what is Open Door's model? Open Door is basically, and I don't know if you ever looked at some of their properties, but basically... Anybody can go look at their property, 
right? You don't they, need a real estate agent. You don't need a real estate agent. That's typically can, why, do, why you need a real estate agent to get into a home you want to look at. Yeah, you can download their app on your on your mobile device, and you can go see any home in their ecosystem by just going to the home, and it's all scheduled. It's all on there. You can literally go, I want to see this property this day and time It's when it's available, right? And you'll go to the property, and you'll have access without a realtor. And you can keep saying realtor, realtor. I hate that fucking word. Mm-hmm. You, you can go see the property by yourself. And the whole idea is that it's going to displace this particular trade with the National Association of Realtors mm-hmm. uh, over time. And um, it there's a lot of people who believe in it. What's the, I, what's the incentive for somebody to go with someone over? Like, do, do they pay less to their, you know, to their agent? You would pay a lot, a lot less commission. Uh, they would still have, I mean, you're still paying a pretty good amount. Uh, for them, they're able to buy a property, you know, sight unseen. You can buy a property and sell your property directly to them. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty interesting concept. I don't want to unpack the whole thing. I'm not a subject matter expert on it, but I, I do know the, kind of the, the rough outline of their model. But check it out. Open Door is an interesting uh, technology platform that if this, if they lose this and it opens up the floodgates, yes, they will most likely be the emerging leader Followed quickly by other people who have the technology in place, Redfin and Zillow. And Redfin already seems like they're on the on the attack by by trying to separate themselves from the National Association. I sure hope so. I like the people over at Redfin. I, I like their, their, their data. Their data is great. And I will say, as much as I, I rag on people at Zillow, their culture internally is very employee-centric. And a lot of their employees there are very happy. Yeah. So kudos to them for that. Yeah, I, I know of one listener that works at Zillow that routinely listens to the show. Really? Yeah. Shout out. Shout out. Yeah. We love you, Zillow. Yeah. Employees. Employees. <laughs> not your data. Your data, not so much. But yeah. you know, we all we all have fun. Arun, we tapped out for the show. Is that it? That's it. You got uh, yeah. anything you got anything, Odun? Nope. No, nothing from the pop culture space, huh? NBA season starts tomorrow. Ooh, that's right, baby. Uh yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, of course you wouldn't know that. <laughs> all right, so you guys gonna actually watch physical games now? No. I mean there's no time, but I'll probably catch like last season, I, I, I caught a couple fourth quarters. That was it, yeah, which last is really season, sad. I think I watched two full Laker games, which is really really sad. That's two more and a couple more fourth quarters than I saw. Yeah, we caught we caught one here. We made you stay late so we could watch it, and you were like, "Fuck this, I'm out of here." Yeah, on the way home when I left because I knew you were watching it on a, on a bit of a delay. I almost sent you guys the results. Wow! Fuck up your whole night. Wow! <laughs> they lost, bitch. Hey. Peace. <laughs> Go ahead, edit some video. <laughs> <laughs> what a piece of shit. You know, I was thinking the other day, we haven't gotten a nice glass of alcohol on the show. We should smoke cigars in here one day and just chop it up and, like, really make this place smell like ass. I've never enjoyed a cigar. I would think you, of all people, would love something old and dirty in your mouth. No. <laughs> Long, dark. I could have gone that route, but I don't think the size matters then. Yeah. <laughs> Or the color doesn't matter. Get you one of those little cigaritos. <laughs> cigaritos. No, I like hookah. I do like hookah. Ah, uh, yeah, it's bigger, more powerful. That makes sense. Yeah, exactly. I liked hookah, but it gets me dizzy, and um, I got to be honest, that it just feels more toxic. Yeah, I mean, it definitely doesn't feel good for you. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's one of those things you do, and you're like, this is gonna kill me. It feels it feels very relaxing though. Relaxing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I get a little bit of that. Yeah. I haven't had hookah. True story. Years and years and years ago, I took my siblings and my then, uh, well, not my wife, my then girlfriend, but now my wife, to Seattle. We took them to, I wanted to take two of my younger siblings to show them a really nice time. So we went to Seattle and we went to a lot of high-end food places. And it was very quick, quickly apparent they didn't appreciate like how high-end some of these restaurants. We went to like 
full chef serving meal, like very high end restaurants. And they were like, oh my God, like what's this? And you're just like, fuck. Why are the portions so small? Like, it's what molecular? Is it science? And you're just like, fuck, man. And it was it was like egregiously expensive. I mean, it was like I was paying like $600 per person. Jeez. I mean, really high end shit. So after one of these meals they didn't appreciate, we, they wanted to go out drinking. And they were both of age at the time, newly turned in the young 20s. And uh, my sister, who went with me, was on her phone the whole time talking to her girlfriend who's going through some kind of breakup, like walking through the streets of Seattle. And she was like, oh, my God, like he's such, he doesn't deserve you. I'm just like, fuck. Jeez. I got to listen to this shit for fucking three more days. Then um, my brother, the whole time, is just got into drinking. Oh, so, so he's, yeah. So he, he wants to go drink. So we decide we're going to go drink. On older brother's tab too. Oh, yeah, let's go. and they they did not pull back. So we walk into this place, and the the guy who worked there looked just like Colin Farrell. Okay, fucking dead ringer for him, and I'm pretty sure he's hitting on my wife, then girlfriend. But in the event, we go there, we drink, and we get a bunch of like really crazy zany like cocktails from the menu, and we're all having a good time. One of the drinks which I ordered for me was served in an IV bag, and the, well, the bartender bartender warned me said, "Hey." It's it's a whiskey based drink, but it, it is extremely strong. It's like it's like four or five drinks in one. He's like, pace yourself. This one hits people pretty hard. So I took that. I was like, okay, then I'll just order this for the night, and that'll be my thing. I'll just sip and, and drink this thing. My brother starts saying he can out drink me. Oh no! And I'm like, okay, uh, I don't think this is a wise decision for both of us because I got to get us back to our Airbnb at the time. And uh, I don't want to die, and I'm pretty sure it's what it's going to take for you to yeah. match me. So he starts drinking. He starts drinking straight from the IV bag. Ay, he ay, gets ay. just incredibly intoxicated. I got to wind him down somehow, so I get the bright idea there's a hookah bar nearby. Oh, no. We go to the hookah bar. We're sitting down, and it's my wife, myself, and everyone. And I think it was mostly Arabic. Like hookah bar, it wasn't like you know they have different cultures. You yeah, know. you got to pay a membership fee up there, I think. This one like you didn't have to apparently, but it, it was nice okay. and it was it was very it, clearly a bunch of people who knew each other, and then there was us and we didn't fit in. Okay. My brother says he's gonna go to the bathroom. He's very drunk at this point, and he's telling people in the hookah bar that he's Steph Curry's cousin. <laughs> right, telling everybody he's Steph Curry's cousin, and it's obnoxious. So I'm happy he's going to the bathroom. Yeah. He goes to the bathroom and I, you know, we're doing the hookah and I'm getting a little lightheaded now. And everybody we're talking, we're like, where the fuck did he go? Meanwhile, I see this angry line of dudes waiting to use the restroom. Oh no. Right? He was last last time I saw him was going that direction. I walk in front of the line. They're they're like pissed off that I think I'm cutting in line. I knock on the door, knock on the door, knock on the door. He's in there. I go in the bathroom with him in there, and these line of dudes are just ready to fucking murder me. Yeah. Right? I'm like, you gotta get your shit together. He's like, bro, I've only been here for two minutes. I'm like, you've been in here for like an hour. Right? He is gone. Yeah. I decide we're gonna leave. I grab him. We go out front. He falls into a bush. And and he's telling people he's Steph Curry's cousin. At this point, I just, like, it's embarrassing. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's such a random ass thing to say. Steph Curry. He gets into somebody else's lift and takes off. No. And my wife, my my sister and I are still there. They're like, what do you want to do? I'm like, Nothing. This problem just solved itself. <laughs> I can't believe you just ran out your brother like this. The Uber comes, yeah. right? I'm ready to go back to the hotel. I mean, he'll find a way. Yeah, he's going to have yeah. to figure it out. Yeah. It's either flight or flight. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, he's going to figure it out, yeah. right? Sink or swim, son. As we get in the, the Uber to leave, the lift came back around the block and <laughs> dropped him off. 
Oh no! Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was the last time I went to a hookah bar. Wow. Okay. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Poor Arya. You think he's listening to this? Hell no. His friend was like, "Yo, we got a great podcast, man." I'm like, "Thank you." He's like, "Why didn't your brother tell me? He's been gatekeeping this from me." Also, millennial word. And uh, I'm like, "Yeah, he doesn't listen to the show." He goes, "Oh, why is that?" And I'm like, "Cause he's an asshole." Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he doesn't listen to the show. Come on, man. Let me take you guys out there. Everybody, I'll leave, I'll leave you guys all one last friendly tip. Okay, Arun, I would value your opinion on this tip because I think it's a valuable piece of information. I value your opinion too. No, you don't. If um, if you have a friend, coworker, colleague, an associate, somebody who anecdotally tells you they have a podcast, mm -hmm. please, for all of us in this space, mm -hmm. don't say I don't listen to podcasts. Yeah, I would listen, but I don't listen to podcasts. Yeah, what does that mean? That, that means you're an asshole. Okay? <laughs> Here's what you say. Oh, I generally don't listen to podcasts, but I'll check it out. I'll give it a shot. Yeah, or hey, great, I'll give you a review sometime. Or oh, tell me about it. Right. To just wipe it out. That's like me saying, hey, uh, Chris, did you see that article from CNBC? And me going, you know, I don't read. <laughs> I know, exactly. Hey, I just came out with a book. Uh, you know what? I don't really read books. Yeah, I don't really read, but if I did, I'd love to check it out. Unfortunately, yeah. I don't read. That's <laughs> such an asshole. It sounds so stupid. It, it sounds it sounds like you're trying to be mean. Yeah. Uh man, yo, I that's that's dope, but I you know, I don't really listen to podcasts, man. Right. Well, fuck me. Yeah, well, do us a favor. Whether it's on Apple or Spotify, however you listen to the show. Such a whore. Yeah, I have to do this. You're such a, you did it already bro, once. If you're here after an hour and a half and you still have not left us an honest five-star review, we would greatly appreciate it. It helps out the show tremendously. Make a fake name. Yeah. yeah. Make a fake name. If you don't want your name out there because you know we read the reviews, make a fake name. Make it funny. You know what we need to do? We need to start. Once we get the merch, we'll hand out merch to the best review. My mom did that early in the day. Is that what they did? Yeah. that was. Well, I know they do. They hand out programs now for the best comment on YouTube. So back in the day, they would they would hand out free merch to the best uh, review. Yeah, yeah, that was a thing. That was a thing. Okay, well now they're handing out a free program, which probably runs a hundred dollars. So that means we should price our merch at a hundred dollars. I really do want high quality merch, man. Like I want like no, we're getting good quality stuff. You do realize that's super expensive for us to buy, right? Yes. Okay, just just to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> so make sure you head over to Transcend. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to need a lot of people going to that Transcend link. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> just consult with somebody over there. Just ask them this one question and then buy it. Just say, what's your most expensive product? And then whatever they say. Spy. Yeah, yeah. Sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> Odun, you got anything? Nope. Nope. You really hurt his feelings at the top of the show, man. What did I say? Dude, you can't. Come on, man. What did I do? Come the, on, the man. That Albert thing, that was so out of line. He said, hello, hello, hello. No, that's not even right. That's not even what you said. That's what he said. You said, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I said, he said hello, hello. I said that sounded like hey, hey, hey. Yeah, that that's 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 fucked up, man. Come on. Because it sounds like it. And you want me to Google him and show you a picture of him? Yeah. Uh, who dude. who said Google him? You, you demanded that he Google him. Wow, you guys. I'm done talking to you guys. <laughs> you said, you hey, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> hey, bitch. Google a picture of your fat self. First of all, I don't say bitch like that. You don't? How do you say it? How do you say it? I don't say it at all. <laughs> that's it. For tonight's show, everybody. Tune in next week where I'm a lot nicer to Odun because he's very salty. You wouldn't know. Only I kissed him. This got very awkward at the end of the show. <laughs> Between your hookah story in Seattle and this conversation. That was a good story. Yeah. 
Let See, us know in the comment section on YouTube if you thought that was a good story. Why are you being such an asshole tonight? Are you, are you not happy? No, I'm very happy. What's wrong? Nothing. You want to talk about it? No. I love you, man. I love both of you guys. I love you, too. Right. Even though you can be mean. Sometimes. Love you guys. Love yeah. you guys. Aww. Aww. Good night, everybody. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Bye.